remember the story of the feeding of the 5,000. I love this story. It's a great miracle. But the, the Holy Spirit sees fit to leave this little tidbit detail at the end that Jesus told his disciples to go and gather up the fragments of people that like crumbs that had fallen off their faces and people who were so full they couldn't eat anymore and so they gather up all the leftovers and there's 12 baskets full and you're like why would the holy spirit who does not waste words why would he see fit to put that in that story and here is why it's a reminder that god does not waste anything he will not waste your life because he doesn't waste fish and bread therefore he would never waste your life Welcome to Refuge Podcast, a weekly Bible study for young adults at Calvary Chapel, San Juan Capistrano. Proverbs 21, and we're going to be looking at making wise decisions, part did, part dis, all right? So part two, let's pray. Uh, We'll read this wonderful verse here, and then we'll pray. Proverbs 21, verse 31, it says, The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but deliverance is of the Lord. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the time where we can come and worship you and sing your praises. And um, Lord, we're, we're grateful for the gift of worship. Lord, where we've been given and granted access into your presence by the blood of Jesus. And so, Lord, we don't take that lightly. And Lord, we know that worship is not for us. It's for you. And so when we sing, God, although we are blessed and we're encouraged and we're uplifted, and, um, Lord, we know that ultimately this is a gift to you. It's, it's our praise. It's our worship. And you're worthy of it, Lord. And so, um, Jesus, we love you. We thank you that you're here with us tonight. We pray, Lord, that your presence would uh, be with us, move among us, Lord, that your spirit would touch hearts. Um, God, that you would speak in ways that we didn't expect you to. And uh, Lord, we just thank you so much for the ways that you have shown us grace, that you've shown us mercy. And um, so Lord, we just love you so much. We praise you for all that you do for us. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we started this this study by talking about, first of all, the will of God and how um, the will of God has has some conventional ideas behind it. And that being that um, God's will, if you, if you will, <laughs> is like a bullseye or, or like a, a target that you are pulling back an arrow and every decision has to hit the bullseye known as God's perfect will. Have you heard that before? This is God's perfect will for your life. And so every decision, which kind of milk I put in my latte, comes back and I'm like, it's soy. And if I miss the bullseye, I'm outside of God's will. And we looked at the problems and that's just, you know, in jesting. There was more to it. If you're thinking, wow, that wasn't, that's not very theological. There's more to it, but just quickly going through this, this conventional idea that if I'm not in God's perfect will, I'm in plan B of God's will. And therefore um, I'm missing out and ruining my life and doomed to be outside of God's will for all of eternity. So the, the problem with that view is that number one, it's not in the Bible. It's not in the Bible that we're to be preoccupied and totally consumed with the details of tomorrow. We looked at Matthew chapter 6, how Jesus said today has enough worries of its own and not to be preoccupied with every detail of the future. Although God does reveal his his plan for our life, he does reveal the future for us. Um, We know how this whole thing ends and so we have joy and we rejoice. If you've never read the book of Revelation, we win. Um, God wins, Jesus wins. So hey, high five. Homeschool high 
high five for the Lord. Um, and so we kind of know those things. God does reveal his will supernaturally. He does give us words of prophecy, um, details about next year, or whatever. Those happen. They are supernatural events. They're not just like every Wednesday that you get a downloaded report of what your life will be like in the next few weeks. Those are supernatural things that do happen, do take place, but they are miracles. And that's why we call them miracles and not, like I said, Wednesdays. So it's not in the Bible, okay? But it's also, it implies a cruel God, that God knows his will for your life and he desires you to be in his will, but he hides that will from you like a jerk. And he's like, figure it out and just watches you squirm and he plays a really sick game of hot and cold with you as you're trying to walk things out and he's like, warmer, ice cold, you're out of my will. Okay, God's not like that. God doesn't hate you. God's not cruel. Um, and the struggle becomes that every single decision, God is, has this perfect will in the sense that if I don't hit the mark, it creates an anxiety and like I can't make decisions. Anyone ever have a hard time making decisions? Right on. So it implies a cruel God. The third one is that it, it undermines personal responsibility, that we still have responsibility and the privilege in this life given to us by God, something called free will. That we've been given free will to make choices. How many of you have you've made good choices? You don't have to raise your hand. How many of you made bad choices? Right on. That's your free will. Like you're making choices. Um, we're just going to move quickly. We, we all make choices. And that's, that's part of the human responsibility that God has given to us. And to say that God has a perfect will, and I'm just going to sit here until God speaks and tells me exactly what I'm supposed to do, is to undermine the fact that God says, you need to make decisions. You need to seek out my will. You need to seek my face. And then ultimately, make a decision. There's more to that one as well. And you can go back and listen to that. This is really hard to do in two parts. I'm just realizing right now. I thought it'd be a lot easier. Uh, really should have prepared. So it leads, fourthly, it leads us to an obsession about the future. To have this view of God's will is to cause in us an obsession about the future. What is the next thing? What is the next thing ahead of me? Um, I don't know, you know, maybe that you can ask the question like, why does it lead to such an obsession about the future? Maybe you're like me and you're timid and you don't want to make a bad decision because you have this view that if I make a bad decision, it's going to ruin my entire life. I'm doomed for all of eternity. And my perspective is a little different being married with four children. My decisions really do affect a lot of people, right? It really does. A little bit more pressure than I thought um, I would have as a dad where I'm like, yeah, whatever. No, it's a big deal. Like what I do directly affects, you know, five other people and a dog. I mean, it really affects... <laughs> All of them. It affects my family. It affects our, our families. And so, um, but it also, if, if you have this idea as well of like, I have to make this decision, God, if you could just, just tell me, um, that way I don't have to make a decision. And also, I'll, I, I won't um, be just obsessing about what's next. And it leads to an unhealthy obsession about the future as we view God's will in that way. Like, God, what is your will? What is your will? What is your will? And he's like, did you read it? It's written down. It's right there, you know? Um, and so that's kind of where we started, the will of God. What is it? What does it look like? Um, and then the, the next thing we kind of moved into is the six decisions or six steps to making wise decisions. Six steps to making wise decisions. The first one, just to recap, is number one, listen to God's word. Number one, listen to God's word. Am I going with 
God's word and his written word for me and what he's written down in his word as this is his known will and, and revealed will to us. We know that um, the writers of, of the scriptures were inspired by the Holy Spirit to write down these things for the church. If you look at Corinthians, Rome, if all we have was Romans, Corinthians, and the book of Galatians, we would have everything that we needed to know what we believe and why, to, to know how we are to act and how we're to, to live our life, and also what to stay away from in the book of Galatians, going back to religion and all those things to add to the grace of God, to add to the gospel. So if, if you just had those, then in those books, we have for ourselves the, the, just the, the essentials of what we need to know. Now we have much more than that, obviously, but God's will is revealed in his word. And it begins with us, and we started this study back in a, a few weeks ago, looking at Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So the beginning of wisdom is having a respect for the fact that God is God and you are not. Right? And everyone said, amen, hallelujah. Right? Thank God I'm not uh, God. So we look at his word first. We need to ask ourselves, um, is what I'm doing going against what God has said? Then the will of God would to be not to do that. Because it's written in his word not to do that. If I'm going with God's word and it's, and it's I'm actually obedient to what it's saying, then we can be assured that that is actually the will of God. And I'm walking in God's will for my life. We ask ourselves two questions. Is it, number one, sinful? Is what I'm doing sinful? Then it is not God's will that I would continue in that action. Very simple. It's written down for us. It's told to us by the Lord. There's no like way around it or like, yeah, but you don't understand my circumstances. Ah, it says it right here. Is it sinful? Yes. Then that's not God's will. And the second thing, is it stupid? <laughs> There's just decisions that are just, that's a stupid thing to do. You shouldn't do that. You know, you have responsibilities that if I do this, it's actually going to help me or it's going to cause me to neglect all these other responsibilities, but the money's real good. That's stupid. And so we ask ourselves, is it sinful? Is it stupid? Is it, what was the last S? Anyone remember? Selfish. Yes. Is it selfish? One of the main things that scripture instructs us not to, Gold stars. One of the main things that, that scripture encourages not to, us to not do is to put ourselves first. We always put the Lord first. We seek his kingdom for today and not being consumed with the details of everyday life. And so, you know, is it selfish? Is it stupid? Is it sinful? Um, we focus then. The second one was focus on daily character. So often we're, we're preoccupied with the future. We don't realize that God is working in us today. That God wants to do a work in my life today. God, what are you, what are you going to do in my life next year? And God said, well, I want to cultivate the fruits of the Spirit in you today. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Those are things that I want to cultivate in you now. Not a year from now, although it may take a year from now. But today, those are the things that God is working on. So we want to focus on daily character was the second one. And uh, there's a lot to that one as well. But the third one is to seek wise counsel. In making decisions, we want to seek wise counsel. Emphasis on the wise counsel. Wise. Just because someone is older and gray-haired does not mean that they are wise, but it helps 
along the way because there's experience. Wisdom is something that you become. Wise is something that you become. It's not something that you are automatically. Wisdom comes over time by focusing on daily character, by focusing on the word of God, be obedient, by being obedient to the Lord, by falling, by failing, and then going back and running to the Lord and, uh, and understanding the grace of God. That's all part of becoming wise. But it's also wisdom is a community project. Anyone have community projects in school where you're like, we have to do a book report or no, or a, it's been a while since I've been in school, but you have to do like a poster or a diorama or a, I didn't take chemistry. I heard it's hard, but you have to do like a chem lab or you have to do a, a I don't know. You, it's all together. We all have to do our part. Wisdom is something that happens within community. So if you're like, I'm going to be wise and I'm going to go off into the, I'm going to make decisions by myself. And you're like, I don't need anyone. I don't need anyone else because I'm strong. That strength is actually a facade to the fact that you're prideful. Okay. Wisdom comes from wise counsel. And, and counsel comes from those in the church around us that we respect. If you're like, man, I want to get to where that person is, go ask them, how did you get to where you are? How did you, how do you, you know, people ask Lauren and I, like, how do you stay married and like, like each other? And we're like, I don't know. It just, we just are nice to each other. Like that's wisdom. Be nice. Step one, be nice to each other. You know, <laughs> like it, it, everything else kind of falls in line. If you're like, you know what, I'm going to be nice. I'm just going to be kind today. It goes really far. So seek out wise counsel. And there's all sorts of verses in Proverbs that we discussed about seeking out wise counsel. Um, Proverbs 12, 15 says, the way of the fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. That's great advice. That's wise. And so we need to seek out wise counsel, the key word being wise. Um, and the fourth one. Okay, now we're, we're to where we were a week ago. Okay, the fourth one um, the fourth point is we need to look at our current circumstances. We need to look at our current circumstances. Look at Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9, if you will. <clears throat> it says this, a man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. We can make plans. I don't know if this has happened to you or if you have realized this, that you can make plans but circumstances and events are outside of your control. Enter 2020. How many of you had plans this year and everything has been shot to smithereens, blown apart, grinded into nothing, and all you have is fragments, and you're like, this just, wow, I had plans. This was the year I was going to get fit, but COVID totally ruined it, you know, or whatever. That's an excuse. But... Um, Sometimes by looking at circumstances, we can find help in making decisions. You know, like asking the question, like, am I gifted in this area? Is this something I'm actually good at? We talk about it in language of like open door and closed door. Like we've heard that the Lord has opened a door unto us. Uh, maybe don't talk. He has opened a door unto me. But maybe the Lord's opened a door for you and you're like, there's this door that's open and I don't know, should I walk through it? Do I go this direction uh, or, or it's closed? I don't think this is the direction I'm supposed to go. You've heard this language maybe if you're in church. Uh, you've heard people talk like this before. That's a good way of looking at it. But often we need to look at the circumstances around us. We can see doors being opened or doors being closed. Which door is actually open to you? 
It's, it's interesting when people are like, there's this door and it's open, there's an opportunity. And, and you're like, well, what would be the negative in going that direction? Well, I would make more money and that would just be awful. You're like, eh, is it? Or, or, or we see a door that's open and you're like, is this God's will? And everything is pointing there and you're like, I don't know. Sometimes you won't know until you take a step in that direction. You don't know until you actually move towards it. And guess what? That's called a step of faith. And there's nothing wrong with stepping towards something. And if that door closes, you know. Praise God. But often we hold back and we don't move towards a door that may be open. But sometimes it's good to look at circumstances. Is it something I'm gifted in? Maybe God has given you a talent and has gifted you for something. And there's an open door to use that talent and use that gifting. But we need to make sure that we don't use this also as an excuse to be lazy, right? Like I put my, you know, put my resume out there. No one's responding. Well, did you like go to the manager? Did you, did you follow up with that? No, just put it out there. I'm just waiting for the Lord. You know, not only do we walk through open doors or we go to a door and we actually have to knock on it. The Bible says, ask, seek, knock. It's a part of life that we have to take chances and to put ourselves out there to walk towards something all the while not knowing what's behind it, but we won't know until it opens. We don't know what's going to happen, but we have to take steps towards, um, towards a door, maybe um, by looking at circumstances. But also, we need to make sure that difficulty, if it's difficult, it doesn't mean that it's a closed door. Now, this is where it gets tricky. You're like, you are... You're speaking in riddles, Andrew. If it's open then it's, and it's easy, then it's not the will of God. Then if it's closed, then it means that it's, it is God's will and I just have to push on it, knock it down, kick it through. I don't understand. No. But often we can use an open door as an excuse to be lazy. But we can also have an open door that's difficult and not walk through it because it's difficult. Human nature is to take the least difficult in the most, the path of least resistance. Thank you, Karen. I could, I could hear it. It, it, it. The path of least resistance. We're like water. If you've ever seen water trickle down, that's why rivers move. And, and, and as it hits an obstruction, it goes around it. It morphs. It moves. That's human nature. When we hit an obstruction, we go, doors closed. I knew it. It's too good to be true. The apostle Paul actually said, a great and effective door has been opened unto me. And there are many adversaries. He didn't say but, he says and. A door, an effective door for the preaching of the gospel, for the sharing of Jesus Christ has opened. And he says, but it's going to be really difficult. He knew that the door was open and he knew it was going to be hard. And just because something's difficult does not mean that God has closed the door. But it does mean you need to take steps in that direction. All the while praying, which is the fifth one. But ease and difficulty should not determine if a door is open or closed. That's why we need to listen to the word of God. Nor to see open doors only as something that is easy because the devil also opens doors. The devil will open doors for you to do stupid things, right? Take, for instance, Joseph, right? Potiphar's wife was all about it, right? She came to him every single day, lie with me, lie with me, lie with me, every single day. And he had to say no, right? He could have gone, oh, it's an open door. 
That's so crazy. I have needs. She has needs. The door's open. Oh, Lord, you're so good. It's sinful. It's selfish. Therefore, it is not the will of God. The devil, he provided opportunity after opportunity. Anyone ever can identify? You're like, have opportunity after opportunity to sin. You're like, man, maybe this is God's will. It's not. It's not. You know who opens doors? The devil. It's called temptation. And that's what he does. And so we need to follow God's word. And we need to pray. That's the fifth one. Pray. We need to pray with simple faith. Pray with simple faith. God, what is your will? What is the decision that I need? This is the decision I need to make. God, what would you have me to do? Speak to me. Open your word to me. Speak to me through your word and through your spirit. Talk to God about your choices. How many of you ever just talked to God about your choices? Um, I do it in my car a lot. Uh, I'll talk to myself. I actually preach to myself. So I'll like work through my Bible study by myself before it gets to you, which is terrifying of how weird it can be in my car by myself. But we'll talk about our choices with the Lord. God, this is the way I should go or this is the way I should. I don't know which way should I go. These are my choices. These are my options. God, what should I do? But also pray for things that you already know are God's will. And that comes by reading God's word. Proverbs 28.5 says, Evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand all. We need to pray with strong, what he's saying there is pray with a very strong moral element to your prayers. Pray for good motives in your decision making. Pray not only that God would open doors, but that you would trust him in the process that we would be obedient, praying in the things that we know are according to his will. Praying not just that God would open the door, but pray that God would make you the right kind of person in the process to getting there. Pray for humility, obedience, patience, an attitude of trust. Listen, that God would be glorified, not just your own interests would be met. This is the will of God for us. Pray in the will of God. Because God will do those things. He says, if anyone prays according to my will, it will be answered, it will be given unto him. We know that these things are are what God wants for us, so pray them in. And the sixth one, this is the final one. It went a lot faster than I thought I was going to. And everyone said, amen. (laughs) Proverbs, back to Proverbs 21, verse 31. The sixth thing is we need to make a decision and then rest in the sovereignty of God. We need to make a decision and then rest in the sovereignty of God. That's why I love this verse. The horse is prepared for the day of battle, but deliverance or the victory is of the Lord. When it comes down to it, we can see some of what God is doing in our lives, but we cannot see it all. We cannot see it all. So we make plans, but the Lord establishes them. We get the horse ready for battle, you know, in that sense. We're getting things ready. We're making plans. We're we're seeking his face. We're, We're moving in a direction. But ultimately, God is the one who guides our steps, who directs us, and the one who gets the victory at the end. The victory belongs to the Lord. But the question then is, what if I make a stupid decision. What if I make a bad decision? And some of you are in here like on the edge of your seat. What happens to me when I make a bad decision? 
I have made a lot of bad decisions. Karen and Dave have made a lot of bad decisions. Everyone who's, who's in this room, I don't care where you look, we have made bad decisions. Does that mean that God is done with you and that you're doomed for all of eternity to walk outside of God's will? Absolutely not. The devil would love to make you think that, though. Are we doomed to be outside of God's will forever? Am I doomed? Take refuge and comfort in this verse, Romans 8, 28. Maybe you know it. Maybe you have it tattooed somewhere on your body. Romans 8, 28. And we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. When Paul writes all things, we know exactly what that means. It means everything with nothing left out. That's what that word means. That's what the phrase means. God works all things, everything. Nothing is left out. Everything is redeemed. That includes my bad and stupid choices. In his grace and in his sovereignty, God works them for our good and for his purpose. And so when you make a decision, ultimately you have to make one and you rest in the fact that God is sovereign. And God is working all things out for my good. Because look at that, that statement is conditional to those who love him. To those who love him. If your heart is to love and follow after Jesus, then take heart. Then guess what? Your bad choices, your bad decisions are redeemed. Those who did not love Jesus in the past... God is redeeming your bad choices. He's bringing them under the cross. That's what he died for. And if you're walking today and you're like, I made some bad decisions today on the way here this week. Guess what? Jesus is the God who doesn't waste anything. Even your bad decisions. Which means in these verses, what, what this is saying, Romans 8, 28, is that God is sovereign. God is powerful. Therefore, even your bad choices cannot mess up God's plan. You can't mess it up. And ultimately, what these verses are helping us to do is to relax and to trust God with our life. Because the biggest thing that was on the table for us was our sin. And God took that. He paid for that all of those bad choices, all those mistakes, and he redeems them. He takes what's broken and he makes it beautiful. He, he takes what was wasted and he puts it to use. Therefore, I trust in the sovereign hand of God. Number one, that he loves me. And he loves me enough to not waste anything in my life. You remember the story of the feeding of the 5,000. I love this story. It's a great miracle. But the, the Holy Spirit sees fit to leave this little tidbit detail at the end that Jesus told his disciples to go and gather up the fragments of people that, like crumbs that have fallen off their faces and people who are so full they couldn't eat anymore. And so they gather up all the leftovers and there's 12 baskets full. And you're like, why would the Holy Spirit, who does not waste words, why would he see fit to put that in that story? And here is why. It's a reminder that God does not waste anything. He will not waste your life because he doesn't waste fish and bread. Therefore, he would never waste your life. And so the decisions that we make rest in the fact that God is good. These are steps to make good decisions. 
If you made bad ones, guess what? God is good. That does not mean, and let me just say this for a second, that does not excuse us from the fact that we need to make wise choices. It's not like Paul said, do we continue in sin that grace may abound? Do I continue to make bad choices being like, God's going to work it out for good. I'm just acting like an idiot. I'm just going to hope that God works all things out. Yeah, no, don't do that. It does not mean that you don't live with the consequences of bad choices. The Bible says that sin has consequences, ultimately leading to death. So if you continue to make choices towards sin, guess what? Eventually it's going to kill you, not just on the outside, but it will kill you spiritually. And so these, if you're thinking like, oh, it doesn't matter. It does matter. But trust in the fact that God, if you have made bad decisions, God is working those things back into your life for good. But that does not excuse us from being wise, following God's word, reading his word, obedient to the written will of God, and trusting that God is working in my life. The biggest thing that we had in our life, the biggest problem of sin, Jesus took because of our bad decisions, our bad choices. He paid for them all with his own blood. And this is why we need to continue to come back to the gospel Coming back to the gospel reminds us that ultimately the weight of our sin has been taken from us. Our sins have been removed from us. As far as the east is from the west, they've been paid for. And it's a reminder of God's love and his goodness that doesn't run out. That his blood has been applied to all of your sin, past, present, future. And your salvation is based on what he has done, not what you have done. Take rest in that fact. That you're not trying to earn God's favor, that you have it. That God loves you and cares for you so much that he doesn't want you to make bad choices. But when you do, he's there to not pour out wrath, but pour out grace and mercy. And to call us back to himself, to dust us off, to pick us up and say, this is the way to walk. That is a good God. That's a loving God, a gracious God. And so, you know, making wise choices. It's hard. But that's why we have God's word. That's why you've been given the gift of the Holy Spirit. Who not, he's not just some distant God that's in heaven and you're trying to find him. That God actually dwells within us. And you've, you've felt it before. I know you felt it because I've felt it, that I'm about to make a dumb decision and you feel that little voice just, and it's not your mom. It's not your mom and your mom, you know, saying, you know, you shouldn't do this. It's not your mom. It's the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart saying, don't go that way. And it's just that quiet little tug on your heart. Guys, that, guys that's the Holy Spirit. God not only has written down in his word for us, his known will and how to make wise choices. Is it sinful? Is it selfish? Is it stupid? Thank you. Those, he's given it to us. This, are, the, are they these things? Then don't do that. And not only is it written in his word, he gives you his spirit who says he, he's going to be the guide. He's going to bear witness in your own heart of what is right and what is wrong. He's going to guide you. He hasn't left us orphans. He hasn't said, I'm out. Figure it out. 
listen to me to say hot and cold. You know, I'm just going to whisper it or hide it from you. He's given us his spirit that we might walk in the spirit because that is the will of God. That's what he wants for you. So if that's your desire to walk in the spirit, you are aligning yourself with the will of God. And guess what? You will make wise decisions. It's when we walk in the flesh that we make dumb choices. But thank God, he's a God who redeems and pulls things back to himself. And he redeems them and he uses them. And he doesn't, it's not the end of the book, it is the end of a chapter, isn't it? Hopefully this year is not just, this is just a chapter of awfulness, of like craziness, of weirdness, of pandemics and sicknesses and all this stuff. The Bible tells us it's only going to get worse. But, but here's, here's, the, here's the thing, okay? Don't freak out. Have you ever thought about this for a moment? And I'm, I should probably stop, but we're not going to. Have you ever thought about this for a moment? Okay, bear with me. God is sovereign. He could have placed you on this earth at any point in history. At any time. God, I always thought like the 40s would have been cool. After the world wars and stuff. 50s. I mean, yeah, 50s, 60s. That would have been sick. I have these discussions with myself often. God, why, why would you allow me to be alive now of all the time that I could have lived or you could have placed me on the earth? Why now? God in his sovereignty has saw fit that you would be here at the age that you are now. Why? Because he has a will and a plan for your life to walk in. And it would be this, Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That, that's what we're seeking after is the will of God. And, and it is this, that we seek the Lord today to walk in this world as lights because we're living in a dark time. And, and you ever think like, why not an easier time? Because you are stronger than you think you are. You are more powerful than you think you are. You have more of the spirit in you than you think you do. You know God's word more than you think you do. And that's why God has you here now. For such a time as this. It's not by accident. It's not by some kind of, you know, cosmic mistake that you're here and you're like, woe is me. You're here now because God wanted you here now. Man, that's cool. I don't know how else to explain that. Other than like, that's really cool. God doesn't make mistakes. So you being here right now, living at this time, it's not by mistake. It's not because God ran out of plans and ran out of time saying, I'll just throw them in here. That'll be great. That goes against the character of God. And so listen, you are placed here at this time for a specific reason. And that reason is to be light in the darkness. If you have grown up in the church, I'm going to talk to you for a second. If you have grown up in the church, you do not have to wait till you're old enough to be a leader in the church you are. If you've just gotten saved, God has brought his salvation to you at this time so that you can be a light in this dark world. You don't have to wait till you graduate to some kind of weird Christian, you know, metal and you got your pins and you're like, yeah, now I can be a light. It's now. It's now. 
If there's any, if there's ever been a time where the church needs to like step up and lead and stop being shy and scared of what other people might think or what other people might say, it's right now because time is short. So filter your decisions through that lens, through that, all of that. God, why have you had me here at this time with everything that's going on and the decisions I have to make? How does that fit in with me seeking the kingdom of God right now? What do you want to do in me for this world? Let's pray. Lord, we love you and we thank you, God, that you love us so much, that you have a plan and a purpose for our life, that you don't make mistakes, God. You've allowed us to be where we are at the time that we're living because you want to use us for your will and for your kingdom. And Lord, we know that your will in this, in this world is that men would, would come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so Lord, we want to pray in your will tonight. God, would you save many? Would you bring revival to our church? Would you bring revival to, to our youth? Would you bring revival to this valley? that the name of Jesus would resonate throughout this land, that many would come back to you. Those that know of you, have heard of you, but yet are running from you. Those that have never heard your name before, Lord, may we be those that bring the good news of the gospel. We know that's your will for us. And so, Lord, we want to be those that are, are not just preoccupied with the future and nervous about what's ahead, but, Lord, excited about what you're going to do now. Not those that live in the past of what you did, but we rejoice in the way that we see your faithfulness in the past, knowing that you're going to work today through us, your church. And so, Lord, we pray, God, that you'd fill us again with your Holy Spirit. God, as we worship you, as we sing to you, God, our, the joy of the Lord would overcome us, would overwhelm us. The passion to sing to you, a passion to worship you. Lord, not because it's something that we like to do, but because you're worthy of it. And who are we to deny you that, that blessing and that pleasure? And so God, may we be those that seek your face today used by you today. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we all stand tonight? Stop.